Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys, do you ever think about how you can see through things that are clear? What is that about? I'll take my answer off the air. Oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys. Jake has a podcast. I can't believe Jake has a podcast. Oh my God, Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, uh, you guys, I just got back from Los Angeles because I had the pleasure of going to see the Renaissance World Tour for the second time, Miss Beyonce, on her birthday, September 4th, at the SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, with my best friend, Kat McNamara. And special shout out to the amazing clothing brand, Azazi, for sending Kat and I to the concert. We had such an amazing time. We got to wear the most beautiful clothes provided by Azazi. It was such an incredible night. Beyonce turned it out on her birthday. Miss Diana Ross came out and sang happy birthday to Beyonce. Like, you guys, this, this concert was unbelievable. So again, thank you so much to my amazing friend Kat and the wonderful brand Azazi for sending us to the show. And be sure to check out their amazing clothes at azazi.com. That's A-Z-A-Z-I-E.com. And you guys, with that, let's dive right into this week's Broadway World Recap, sponsored by my amazing friends at broadwayworld.com. You guys, it was just announced that the world premiere of Death Becomes Her, The Musicale, will star Megan Hilty and Jennifer Simard. This could not be better news. Jen Simard is truly one of the unsung Broadway divas. I saw her in company and she was absolutely unbelievable. Her voice is sickening. And she understudied Patti Lapone as Joanne and went on. And the videos are iconic, you guys. Jen Simard is not just a vocalist. She is such a comedian. I can't think of anyone better for the show, except for maybe Megan Hilty. Are you kidding me? Megan Hilty just, uh, she can do no wrong. She has the range, she has the comedy, she has everything. I cannot wait to see the show. It's premiering in Chicago first before it comes to Broadway, but I mean, come on, a Broadway run is imminent with these two legends. I can't wait. Next, you guys, it was just announced that one Titus Burgess is set to return to Broadway as Harold Zidler in Moulin Rouge. Titus is such an incredible performer, most recently seen on the latest season of Schmigadoon, Schmicago, if you will. He's absolutely hilarious on the show. I mean, obviously, his run on Kimmy Schmidt was iconic. He is such a comedic genius. But some people don't even know that he is an incredible Broadway vocalist as well. 
He was the original Sebastian and Little Mermaid. He was in the original company of Jersey Boys. And I'm so excited that he is returning to the stage. So I guess I will just have to go back to the Moulin Rouge to catch Mr. Titus Burgess. Next, you guys, in another casting announcement, Broadway World just shared that Jessica Lange, Jim Parsons, and Celia Keenan-Bolger will all lead a new play by Paula Vogel called Mother Play. The show is going to be directed by iconic director Miss Tina Landau. And with a world premiere, who better to originate a show than someone like Jessica Lange? I mean, my God. Jim Parsons and Celia Keenan-Bolger are also just phenomenal performers. This show is going to be incredible. And it's set to open on Broadway this spring at the Second Stage Theater. Next, you guys, we have a very exciting Broadway debut announcement. Broadway World just shared that Vincent Jamal Hooper will join The Lion King as Simba this month in his Broadway debut. Vincent is no stranger to the stage. He has performed around the world in multiple companies of Hamilton, including in Puerto Rico alongside Lin-Manuel Miranda. But The Lion King will be his Broadway debut, and to make your Broadway debut as Simba, come on, iconic. So congratulations to Vincent Jamal Hooper, and honestly, congratulations to The Lion King for having someone as beautiful as this take over the lead. It's gonna be amazing, I can't wait to see it. And lastly, you guys, in a kooky crazy bit of news, homosexuals turn this up. We just got the announcement of not one, but two new Barbara Streisand albums set for release in October. Two, Barbara. The gays are dancing. They're dancing in the streets. I just know it. Her first album that she's releasing is called Evergreens, and it features some unreleased music throughout her career. And then, you guys, we are getting the 40th anniversary edition of Yentl. I, I am unwell. I am shook. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a Barbara stan. I'm obsessed with Barbara Streisand, and I simply cannot wait for both of these albums. You can listen to the first track now. I just know that these arrangements are going to be incredible. Obviously, the vocals sing down. And I'm so happy for Barbara that this far into her career, she is still able to make a huge splash, releasing two albums at once. So you know where I will be. In the shower, singing Peace of Sky. Papa, I can feel you. Papa, watch me. Or something. God, the way Barbara closes those consonants and sings on those ends. He put his hand near mine. Oh, delicious. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. He is a singer, dancer, actor, performer, teacher, choreographer, gem of a human, and he's about to embark on the national tour of the Tina Turner musical, it's Ben Bogan. Hi, Woo! how are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on this. I've been such a fan of this podcast since it came out. I would <laughs> listen to it in the airport as I was flying around the country teaching master classes. Um, it would be a mix between you and Los Culturistas. Oh my God! Well, so. <laughs> what excellent company to keep. You know, Why, thank the gays you. are the gays. I love those gays. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you so much for being here. I can't believe you're literally tomorrow leaving <laughs> to do a national tour. I know you caught me right at 
the perfect moment. I was in Beacon yesterday, finishing oh. up with my middle schoolers staging uh, Newsies Junior. Yes, you were. Um, and I kind of wasn't even sure why I was supposed to be there because I just I didn't have anything really to do except watch the performances. And I was like, "Do you guys really need me here?" And they were like, "Yeah, you just get to watch." And you have a note session. I know. I mean, I did go up to a, like a kid occasionally, and I would be like, "Hey, um, flex the hand here," you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Give but us a flourish. For the most part, um, I just got to watch them be little middle school stars oh. and got back and then packing all day today doing a little silent disco float with my friends as oh. a last a last hurrah oh my god and so then how, long, out how long are you gonna be on the road um for a year they only have dates through toronto which is like end of july of next year of so i'm curious to see what is after that but it'll be pride month in toronto when wow. they're there so that'll be really cool my first job was in toronto as well oh um, amazing so i, I haven't been back sense uh so very very full circle for a lot of reasons wow. very, very very excited i mean you are no stranger to touring but <laughs> Truly, this, yeah. this will be a new adventure you yeah. are would you say assistant dance captain yeah come on yeah. dance captain i don't and you know the craziest thing was i helped teach the ecc dance call the other day but i hadn't even started the job yet so that was one of the most wild <laughs> do. experiences i showed up i said hello to the associate choreographer she went over the Rollin' on the River Iket choreo with me. So when I was helping demonstrate it for this ECC dance call, that was the first time I had learned it too. What the hell? So I was more nervous than all these women in the audition because I was like, I hope they're not watching me yeah. demonstrate this incorrectly. <laughs> There's one part where I was definitely trying to get the timing of these head whips and I was just like, oh my God, I hope they made the right decision hiring me. And <laughs> then, and then we helped. Ponytail. Exactly, exactly. I was like, you know what? You got the job, they're not going to fire you. <laughs> but it was very full circle. I've never helped with um, an audition on the creative side of things in New York before. So yeah. that was actually a very, very humbling, surreal experience. I'm sure. And Lindsay Levine was running the audition and she ran my Jersey Boys calls when I first went in about a year after graduating college. So that was very cool too. It's just like one of those moments in life where you think, wow, I've... I've made something yes. of myself. <laughs> um, what a full circle moment it is. And I mean, because I went to so many, and I'm sure you did too, I went to so many ECCs when I first moved to the city. I probably went to 87 of them yeah. before I got my first job. And mm -hmm. then you finish that job and then you go back to them. And right. that was... Equity chorus call, you honey. You just hit the ground running. Yep. So it was very trippy, to say the least, to watch people come in. And you could see a lot of people who looked very green and very much like they sure. had just gotten to the city. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe that I now was at a point where I was on the other end of mm -hmm. that and sitting next to the associate she's like scoring Well, it's a people. weird feeling. It's also, I, I have um, been a reader for auditions. And for like listeners who may not yeah, I've done that even too. know, it's like it, you are the scene partner for the auditioner so you're sort of like seated with the sides the the scenes and you just have to read with whoever's auditioning and those people who i was reading with they thought they acted like i was the director producer choreographer i was like darling oh, yes thank you so much i have zero say the hand, in what happened the handshaking of the handshaking after thank you, thank so, you so much, much. <laughs> oh my god thank you so much for your time i'm like girl you did great but I have nothing to offer you here. Seeing some of the resumes, um, seeing what people write to embellish their resumes of was course. the most fascinating thing. <laughs> I went, I went. Oh, uh, you played Alphaba in your scene study class. <laughs> like they had that on their oh. resume. Oh, you know. 
So okay. That was... Well, I play Elphaba in my living room every night. Exactly. I was like, maybe I should add that to my resume. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have no stranger stopped... to the green girl. <laughs> okay, exactly. Of course, I will be asking you about Wicked because, duh, I'm obsessed with that show. And you got to swing it. But um, I want to hear about your sort of long history with Jersey Boys because you toured with the show. You got to do it when it, after COVID, when everything happened. And then disaster struck, which I also must hear about. Tell me, what is your, what was the road to Jersey Boys for you? You know, I saw it with my dad when I was 17 in San Francisco on tour. And I didn't even think that that was my show. I... I always thought I was too tall because they used to be really strict about it and be saying five eight for only Frankie. for Frankie. Yeah. So I'm five nine and a half. So I didn't think that was my gig. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would get assigned the scenes all the time in college when we would just do cold read exercises or you know scene work or whatever. And then, kind of my senior year of college, I started to realize that I had a very high falsetto mm-hmm. and. I didn't really know that that was um, something that not ever, like I didn't think anyone, like I thought everyone had a falsetto sure. and I was like, wait, oh, this is a unique skill. Yeah. Um, and I saw the show on every college break. I just always kept going back to see it. I always enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. I still didn't think like, that's my, that's my role. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went to the ECC my spring break of senior year and I was so nervous the night before I didn't sleep well enough and I remember the morning of being like oh my god my voice isn't there my I can't do it and it was like <laughs> 16 bars for Mary Sugarman and I remember thinking like that was okay and then I left and you think that's it right and then I waited all this time for and that. I really <laughs> felt like damn wow okay uh well then I'm gonna go to the dance call tomorrow so I remember I went back the next day and we did the, you know, the Who Loves You combo. Mm-hmm. And then I got kept to dance the hip hop combo. And I remember just thinking like, wow, that was a cool win. I'm still in school. And someone <laughs> kept me to dance a second combo. Great. Yes. And then, you know, I graduate college. I do, a sh- you know, a show in Canada that flopped a Garth Drabinsky project. Work. Um, uh, it was called Susatska, and that was, you know, it had pre-Broadway written on it, and then that didn't happen. Of course. And I got to work with really cool people, but it just, it was a humbling experience to come back to New York empty-handed and be like, oh, not okay. everything goes to Broadway, yep. as is the trajectory of many of the world premieres that uh, I've done. <laughs> and yes. then I found myself just hitting the round running again, and the Jersey Boys CETA tour was going out, so it was the first time the show wasn't production it was going to CETA which isn't even what it's called now now it's called something else with the new contract sure and so I told my agent hey I have a high falsetto I think I would be right for the Frankie world I go in I kind of know I'm too young but I still just went in ready to um do my best Mm -hmm. and then they called me back like four times and each time I thought to myself okay I think I have a good shot here but I remember I got the Moody's mood jazz ballad cut which is like hey you give me a smile like literally like like just like ridiculous chromatic skill you know whatever and i literally cried to my voice teacher and went this is too hard there's no way i can do this because you have to have such knowledge and facility of like when you're flipping and right whatever and i just worked my tail off on it and 
I get to my final work session where they just have you do each song a million times and they put it on tape and send it to the real life Frankie and Bob Gaudio who are in their 80s, maybe <laughs> nine. Uh, Frankie's might even be 90 something now, I forget. And I get like a massive throat virus right no. before we start. Uh. And so my ass like races to the urgent care and I was like, get me on steroids. <laughs> Give me that z And so I was literally on prednisone for that whole work session. And the guy must have made me do Can't Take My Eyes Off You six times. Oh my God. And I remember just thinking like, if I can survive today, then what? Then I did Golden. something. Yes. I, I won. Right. And sure enough, I was heading to go do a production in Connecticut in like a small regional theater in Connecticut. And I wasn't that excited about it at the time. I had just started a new relationship too. So life felt very weird. Uh-huh. And I get to this tiny town in Connecticut and there's not even like a Starbucks. The town is so small. And I think, <laughs> oh gosh. And I just had this guttural feeling like I'm not meant to be here. This isn't meant to be mm. what I'm supposed to do for the rest of the summer. Yeah. And so I go to the bar. <laughs> As you do. Get, so I go to the bar. I get drunk. And my agent <laughs> calls me and is like, Hey, um, you have to drop out of this production. You're going to do Jersey Boys instead. You're, you're going to be swinging. And uh, the sort of first standby for Frankie, because they kind of eliminated the standby position and mm. made the swing sort of like the first cover. cover. Yeah. Um, so I was covering Joe Pesci, Bob Crew, and Frankie. And then I, you know, drop everything. I have like no sublet. <laughs> oh my God. I have to figure my life out. We start rehearsals. It was three weeks to learn the three tracks and day four, they asked me to be dance captain and me being 23, I said, yes, of course. If yeah. you think I can, then <laughs> I guess I can. And then two days later, I'm like crying in the bathroom. I'm so stressed out because sure? I'm trying to write down blocking notes. They're throwing me up there, plugging me into blocking just to you know, have a body just to, yeah, just to keep me up to date with everything. And then on top of it, the associate every two seconds, is like, Oh, you should be over here learning this choreography for um, the guitar player or this female choreography. So I'm trying to just, you know, people please and, and do everything. And I remember at the time I, I was very overwhelmed. I was rehearsing lines to like 2am every night. Of course. And I couldn't handle it. And eventually they clocked that I was just stretched thin trying to just do my best. Yeah. And so they eventually were like, actually, we're going to make you assistant dance captain and make one of the women um, dance captain because she's not having to, you know, stand by for the lead role. Sure. Who's like the, the male alphabet of musical theater oh, at the time. Absolutely. There are harder roles since. But at the time, I feel like Frankie Valli was, oh, yeah. you know, in the early 2000s, that was like the, whole fucking the time. hardest. Yeah. And I was. And singing. I was scared shitless. Yeah. I had not led a show before. In college, I was a dancer boy. Like, I was right. a Tommy G-less. I was like a just. <laughs> I was a Giuseppe in Light in the Piazza. I love, wasn't a Fabrizio. Love, love, love. Um, so I was never, I never saw myself as like this leading man. So I was getting over my own imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go out on the road and literally one weekend, uh, they were like, oh yeah, one of the associates wants to see you go on just to, just to know you can. Just make sure. So literally one weekend, oh I'm, my God. I'm on and. For I'm Frankie. Ne- yeah. And I'll remember, I'll never forget, uh, it was in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and my sister came. She was the only person in the audience that I knew. Oh. Um, and it was so fun. I was so prepared. I had gotten a put in and I had had like my whole breakdown backstage where I was like, these costume changes are insane. You know, the associate had to be like, I know it's crazy, but you have to like, you know, calm yourself <laughs> you down in do those it. moments where these dressers in random cities don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you like, that is the thing that no one teaches you in school is it's not so much being talented or having good work ethic. It's like how you conduct yourself in moment of true 
panic. panic. <laughs> like, and I am not the gold star child for that. Right. I have made many mistakes where I lost my cool or freaked out or, you know, was handed the wrong costume piece and you're like, ah! And, you know, it, it's a humble, it's a humble check because mm-hmm. then you have someone sit you down and is like, hey, I know that like these situations are so out of your control, but you still have to somehow. This is part of the job. Maintain your composure. Yeah. And especially for those of us who kind of go our whole lives, you know, whether it's anxiety or just being high strung artists, we, we don't always know how to um, train that part of ourselves. Uh-huh. And that's something I am, you know, working on to this day. Yeah. And so that was the hardest part about doing 79 cities in nine months. Because um, we were, you know, we were a lower tier. So we were doing one-nighters. Yep. Sometimes we'd be on our 7 a.m. bus call and I'd find out on the bus you're playing Frankie tonight and it'd suddenly be like a freezing cold climate and then a of warm course. climate. So There's no place to like warm up. No. Literally on a bus. I was like literally slurping my Panera soup one day in Nebraska <laughs> in between going on. <laughs> like, uh. You know, and then you're doing sound check in every new city too. So you right. feel like you've sung half the show before the show has even started. Yes. So that was wild. I remember I played three roles in one week in Fort Lauderdale and, and that was, I mean, by that point, I felt so comfortable that it actually is that superhero feeling mm-hmm. where you think, I can do anything. Oh, I'm, I, got I am saving the show. I am amazing. Like, <laughs> look at my brain go. Yeah. Um, but that process of getting there to that point where you have all that info is, I mean, you 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 question whether you even can learn lines. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're just like, am I good at anything? Seriously. Because you just feel like a robot trying to, you know, get, get from to the... point A yeah. to point B. And so that was a learning experience like none other. But then by the end, uh, the Frankie I was covering kept getting injured. So I went from going on once a week to going on like three times a week, going on half the week. And eventually I did seven out of eight shows. I got wow. to play, I got to play two towns near my hometown in California. Oh, fun. So there was one show as Frankie where I had about 110 people in the audience oh my God. there for me. <laughs> like, I mean, my childhood dentist, yes. <laughs> my rabbi, <laughs> I mean, you name it, school teachers, whatever, family friends, um, family members who had never even seen me do my thing since maybe I was like 14. Right. Who thought like, oh, this is just a fun little hobby you do to see like, no, you're like doing the thing. You're leading the show. So that was um, unbelievable and terrifying actually because you wanted to be like your best performance ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to be so present and breathe. And I would always get really tense like neck flare ups when I knew I was going on. Mm -hmm. I think just all my stress goes to my neck. And that's hard because halfway through the show, you're having like a vocal panic attack thinking like, is everything, is it there? Can I, I still have to, can I get through it? Right. And the more and more I talk to other performers, I realize that's not um, a, that it's a very common thing yeah and I used to think it was like just a me thing uh-huh. like and then you talk to more people and you realize everyone kind of goes through right their their their, their own their thing. version of stress and anxiety about yeah getting through a show <laughs> yeah and then you know what was interesting was at the end of that experience they said thank you so much um congrats on you know stepping up and saving the day again and again and I finished the tour as Frankie mm-hmm. that was the weird part I was 24 and literally ended the tour carrying it and that was like the most amazing feeling thinking like I can now lead a show and then I wasn't asked back. Mm -hmm. Now I knew I didn't want to swing again because I was at that point in my life where I was like now I want to play the role in bigger bigger and better things and you know as you do when you're young and you're friends with all these people who just are like going on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing you you think me too me Mm -hmm. too like I should be doing bigger and better things which ended up being like my own worst enemy um, which we'll talk a little bit more about later (laughs) but so I wasn't asked back and I went okay well 
like they said I was too young or you know whatever and so I kind of let Jersey Boys go for a bit I did mm-hmm. occasional press performances for them oh, randomly yeah, yeah, yeah. like we sang in Times Square one time and that was really cool Never got that footage, lol, because it was before the pandemic. Um, oh no! And then years later, you know, theater is back. Um, I've gone through a whole pandemic, and the New World Stages company in New York uh, was dropping. I mean, they were having people drop left and right because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. So they were calling people who hadn't done the show in three years, four years, five years. So um, I was finishing doing my solo show at Green Room Forty Two, mm-hmm. and that day they were like, "Hey." would you be able to come in tomorrow and stand by at New World for a month and then on tour for a month for both Joe Pesci and Frankie? And I thought, oh my God, hallelujah. Here's here's the universe circling back. A job af- out of thin air. Get my health insurance back. Yeah. What <laughs> could be tea. better? What could be better? Truly. So I show up, I watch for a couple nights, I review, I have like maybe one day of rehearsal and then I was on that night for Joe Pesci and I hadn't done the show in like four years. Insane. Four and a half years? Maybe a long time. And I go on, and it's very trippy, because it was like, you know, it all comes back to you, but yeah. at the same time, it was different entrances and exits. Sure. So I, people so I was, I was a little yeah. bit, I was a little bit, like, it was like I was in my body, but not in my body, but I was ironically doing the show with the three women that I learned the tour with. Oh my god. One of my best friend, Tristan, who, um, uh, you know Tristan, uh, and so I got to do it with, I got to do it with her again, which That's was like so, so surreal. Wild. I got to do it, uh, Diana, Michelle, all the women that I um, learned it with. So that was very full circle. And then third performance, um, I'm going down these stairs backstage and they're very sh- steep ship stairs. I've like gotten this story down to a science now because I have to tell it so many times. <laughs> People are like, tell us the story. What happened? So with the middle of the show, I'm in these like cowboy boot style 1960s men's heel. And I'm just... I guess I don't walk in heels enough, apparently, because <laughs> um, I had a bunch of coats in my hand that I took from Bob Gaudio, and I was going down the stairs, and my heel just kind of slipped on the very steep stairs, uh, and I only had one arm free, so I just dropped like six and a half, seven feet, and grabbed onto the railing behind me and thought I could just like hold myself up, like muscle it. Right. And in the process, it ripped my entire arm clean out of the socket. It shredded every muscle from my upper bicep all the way through my, like, collarbone. Oh, my God. And my lap got tear- got torn away from my uh, rib cage, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I land, and I kind of fumble. And there's a moment where you think, maybe I'm fine. Like, maybe there's... Yeah. Maybe... Like, Ow. Ooh, weird. And then... <laughs> I'll just walk it off. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like look at my arm as it's like twisted entirely the wrong way and can't bring it down to my side. Ugh. And then I, and then the panic comes in and right. then I start just screaming. And this and is mid show. This is like, oh, what a night is starting. Oh, no. And no, the girls no. are, the girls are walking by in their prostitute lingerie. Right. Um, and I'm about to change into what is called the Santa pimp. Um, yes. Oh my which God. Which is like normally the Titus Burgess, um, track that sort of got combined with you know a bunch of other roles so i was about to go put on this like fa- shiny green suit and bling and like all this stuff yes and i can't move my arm and so i'm screaming and then they you know they call the paramedics which takes them forever to get to the basement of new world stages oh my god of course because it's um, a maze oh my god it was insane i felt like i was waiting forever and then finally they come and they try to take the suit off me and I start screaming. They can't even move my arm. So they take out a pair of scissors and they're like, sorry, Jersey boys. And they cut this poor swing suit in half that I was wearing. It wasn't even my clothes. Oh no. So I'm having my own very uh, surreal Adina Menzel moment where they're <laughs> yes. cutting my costume off me. Yes. Carting me on a stretcher. I'm still in my costume pants. 
Um, I'm just on and off screaming. I think that my arm is going to fall off. Yeah. I mean, it really was one of the most surreal, uh, kind of life-changing moments. I had never felt that kind of pain before. I mean, right. it was like 15 out of 10. Right. Like, the whole time. Insane. Even when they inject you with morphine, you're sure. still, you're still like, well, and please make it Well, and shock and adrenaline. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, you're already on a high because you're doing a show. Finally. Finally, and then I'm finally like, back to work. Right. Yeah. So I get to the <gasps> hospital and they run all these tests. They make sure nothing's broken because they can't pop you back in place if anything's broken. Okay. I'm like cussing at the nurse because she's trying to make me bring my arm to the side and like taking x-rays. And I'm like, I can't fucking move it! <laughs> <laughs> like, and luckily no. my roommate was home. Bless his heart. He came and held my hand the whole time. Uh, and my doctor was really cute. So that helped. Oh, of course. Um, and then finally, they injected me with a bunch of muscle relaxers and, you know, popped me back in. And then I thought, okay, so I'll be good and I'll be back in in a week and I'll be fine. Right. I go see an orthopedic and he's like, my guess is there's a lot of shit messed up. And I had to have surgery. And they even thought it would be a minor procedure mm-hmm. where they just go in with like a camera needle and fix whatever. It was like a two-hour surgery. <sighs> so when I had that realization that... I would be out of commission for six months. It really broke me um, because here I was back to work and then I felt right. like the universe just was not letting me right. do the thing that I had waited patiently a whole pandemic Lovato to do. Uh. So that was crazy. Um, the, the rehabilitation and relearning how to lift my own arm. Yeah. I, I had to have friends come over and help me like put my pants on. I, uh. I couldn't really shower because I was trying to hold my arm in place. And I didn't want to get all my slings wet. So, oh my god! Uh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty wild. It was wild, even like because I had tickets for the day after this happened Fuck. to come and see you in the show. Oh jeez! So yeah. it was literally like, it was me and Leslie Blake Walker. We we because she loves Jersey Boys too. It's like one of her favorite shows. And so we were like, oh my god, Ben's back in. I had just come and seen your incredible solo show, which we also must talk about. But I was like, oh my god, this is perfect. Like everything, like you said, was like falling into place. I was like, I just saw Ben in this amazing show at New 42, or Green Room 42. And then he gets to go into Jersey Boys again. We got tickets. And then your Instagram story, you were like, and I was probably well, it's over. And I was probably gonna get to I was gonna probably go on for Frankie probably a week later because uh, at the time I got injured, the only Frankie in the building was the guy playing it. Both covers had COVID. Right. So they had flown another guy out from the tour to just stand by. And that night, instead of doing his job to stand by for Frankie, they threw him on for me as I was being carted off to the emergency room. Right. So that was just insane. I look back and while it was horrible, um, I think it really taught me what true perseverance is. Yeah. Um, and ironically, a year later, I ended up having the opportunity to choreograph and um, associate direct a production of Jersey Boys at Sierra Rep. Yes. And that was huge for me because I have always had this hunger and desire to be on the creative side of things. Um and I had done a smaller regional production of Jersey Boys uh, in White Plains, and it was fun to finally play Frankie again post-injury. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of times where I was like, I think I would do this differently. Or I think that if I were to choreograph it, I uh-huh. would want this moment to be this way. Yeah. And so to finally be given that freedom to take the show that I love and adore and make it fully my own, but still honor what I love about totally. the what I love about the piece and... Um, uh, everything that it stands for was 
a dream come true. It was very stressful because you suddenly realize like, oh, every question is on you yeah. and you have to be able to give all the answers mm -hmm. and um, deal with the politics of smaller regional theaters. Oh, yeah. So that was a learning experience to say the least and to be the same age as some of the performers. Right. You know, it's just like an authority thing. Yeah. Um, but that show is actually closing today. Uh, yes. And so I um, am so proud of that company and uh, it was pretty surreal to sit there and watch movement that I had been prepping for five months yeah. Like finally In come to fruition. Audience. Yeah. Um, the, I had the boyfriends back of my dreams up there. Those ladies were giving. <laughs> they were giving. My goal was like to make a Jersey Boys a dance musical. <laughs> yes. uh, Jersey Boys, the American dance musical. And so <laughs> that's what we did. Uh, Hell yeah. So that show will always be like the thing that uh, taught me what true work ethic mm. is. Um, the associates on the original production are so like, they are so hardcore. Amazing. Um, and Do you work with Frace? In for, like, at, at New World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, like, you know, three days. Two seconds, yeah. <laughs> um, he's great. Yeah. And I just will now have such an easier time if I ever stage it anywhere else, because <laughs> now I know that I can. Yes. You know? And it's cool how that was a whole new set of imposter syndrome of, like, oh, my God, can I can I set this? Yeah. And not just replicate, but totally. have to redo it? Because in this production, we didn't have a tall bridge mm -hmm. and scaffolding. It mm -hmm. was just more of like a three-step platform upstage. So I had to rework a lot of things that right. I only knew one way. Mm -hmm. And so that was a challenge because my brain would be like, this looks terrible or <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that was really, really cool. So I now feel like I've seen every angle mm -hmm. of that show. Um, there even was a point where I almost might've had to go on at Sierra rep because one of the guys had a COVID scare. Oh so God. like, that was funny that he, like, he can't escape ben, it. Yeah. He can't escape it. Director, <laughs> choreographer, swing, Absolutely. assistant dance captain, Frankie. I mean, yeah. I so. mean that, I, I feel that in just like tiny ways with Chicago because oh, I'm I know sure. the show in yeah. and out. And so like when I did, a regional production in Aspen. You could go on for a cell block girl. I did. You went on for a cell block girl? I did. <laughs> I, did. I forgot about that. <laughs> or I must a, have not. A girl got hurt and they're like, <laughs> we need you to do cell block tango. And it, oh, obviously it was a fucking gay dream come true. I was like, pop. Like, did living you keep my your mustache fantasy. or did you shave it? Oh, well, I was already playing Mary. So oh, so I had it was to, already shaved. Yeah, so I was already a lady anyway. I had oh. already like, done the full like Wow, to be a fly so. on the wall. <laughs> I wish I could have witnessed that. <laughs> but it's that. very that. It's always like, you never escape the, the coverage of like, but you know it. So could you do it? Which is kind of iconic, honestly. It's like, right. that's such a like crazy, like skill to have. And I never feel like I'm that good at it. That's the funny part as you know, with, with everything else that came along in my life, coverage, swinging, et cetera, with the other shows, I never always think like, I'm incredible at this. I right. always just think like, I'm more so scared to be not good at it yes. that I just will work my ass off. And still, even then, you know, I almost, I ran off into the wrong wing one night in Wicked. That's uh -huh. <laughs> like a guard. Oopsie. The first time I was on for track number three and almost stabbed a crew member with my, with my <laughs> little spear. spear. And I laid on the floor as Lissa Guzman like flew up in the air <laughs> during Defying Gravity. And I'm like crying because I'm like so mad at myself for like messing up. <laughs> I ruined Wicked. I know. And, and you can't help it because you want to do a good job. But then there is that element of perfection that you have to let go of oh every night. Oh my 100%. Especially also when you are a vacation swing, which yes. is what I was with Wicked. Yep. And the crazy thing about that whole... Yes, experience. tell me about Wicked. Well, I had done a tape right before I got injured. So here's how it all crosses over yeah. um, into the um, universe mm -hmm. of my the career. The multiverse of my career. I had made a tape because that was back when like they were barely even calling people in in person. Uh -huh. And I was 
in that sweet, weird limbo where I was waiting to get surgery. So I had had my arm popped back in place, but stuff was still, <laughs> shit was fu- still fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know how bad it was. I just knew that it hurt to raise my arm past a certain point. But I went, I have this tape. Um, I have to do it. So I just took a lot of ibuprofen, filmed my tapes. It was just like two combos. Already had the singing clips, whatever. Sent it in. Yes. And the day after my surgery, I'm walking with my mom. I'm on so much oxy. Um, and I get a call from my agent saying that I have an availability check for a track on Broadway. And I just like, you're like, and another one bites the dust. Yeah, literally. I just thought to myself, like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Right. Like I just, I wait an entire pandemic Uh and finally things seem to be falling into place and I am now handicapped Mm -hmm. and I literally can't do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a hard, uh, pill to swallow. Yeah. And so I just had to trust that the universe was going to be on my side eventually. And I will never forget, I was hanging out in the city in July, uh, about six months later. I had kind of gone through my healing. I had done all my PT. I was sort of back to my full strength almost. Mm -hmm. And I was filing for unemployment and I couldn't get my password to, um, uh, I I couldn't remember what my password was. And I almost threw my laptop at the wall. I was just so frustrated. (laughs) Ah. And my agent called me and was like, hey, they just want to directly like offer you a vacation swing on the tour. I didn't go in in person. I didn't do an in-person um, partnering callback. You always think like they need to see you a million times. Right. Like, that's how it goes. You go in a million times. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was sort of in disbelief. Uh, and it was truly because casting just pushed me to the team and said, just hire this guy. Love it. And it's really cool when you realize that you've been around long enough that you just have people in your corner who can vouch for you yeah. when the creative team trusts them and they don't need to see you a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, so to feel like I had that kind of um, support yeah, uh, was kind of mind-blowing. Well, and them, for them to know that you have already covered multiple leads in shows, you've swung shows, you have done a Broadway show, like that alone, you have enough track record to be like, he can handle it. Right. But you <laughs> feel, okay. I felt so rusty. I hadn't, you know, I couldn't really dance when I was in the shoulder healing process. Sure. So I definitely gained some weight. I was not in the same sort of flexibility I mean, of mode. Not. I didn't have the stamina. I remember my put in for Wicked, I almost threw up. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a crossover. It was a singer dancer track that I did first. Sure. Um, and so it was like the hardest one of the four that I had to learn. It yeah. does like you cover f- four people, four, four tracks. people. Yeah, okay. all the singer, all the singer tracks. Okay. Um, none of them really do anything that's that like uh, f- uh, featured, except um, the last one, who is sort of a- uh, Fierro's butler, who brings him on and oh, yeah. dancing through life. Scene. Averick. Yeah. So I got to do that. Um, that's so fun. Which was wild. Because uh, you're like, oh, I'm finally speaking. And the whole show is just like traffic patterns yeah, yeah, yeah. and choreography and occasional little random solos uh-huh. uh, for a couple of the tracks. <laughs> like, I, I did the like, look, it's Glinda. It's Glinda! Um, but, but that first put <laughs> in, that first put in, I went back to my hotel and just like wept because Ugh. it was so exhausting. I also was so scared that I was right. going to re injure right. my shoulder. And that's. You know, that's, and the partnering is not small in that. No, show. and it's all right side dominant. Of course, and it's not. The side that it's you not just like pop ups. It's it's sort of you know you're you're kind of arching in weird ways, mm-hmm. and you don't want to carry your fears around with you. You don't want to tell someone, listen, I'm really scared of re-injuring myself, but right, you know, to your dance in, partner who you have to lift. Right, that it's poor in, woman. It's in the forefront of your mind. Yeah, and so getting through that was 
tough. Yeah. Um, and I'm proud of myself for getting through that. Hell yeah. Uh, and I'm then proud of and then too. being on stage. And I remember like you know, uh, Jen who played Glinda. She came out in the bubble on the first night, and I just stood there and I just sobbed. Because I couldn't, Dreams, I couldn't believe, bitch. I couldn't believe that I was in the show that I saw for my bar mitzvah presence. Right. And oh, like turned to my mom and was like, thing. this is do it. it. <laughs> yes. um, but then at the same time, also, you know, very much being cognizant of the fact that, oh, this is a job and this is a, totally a machine of 23 years oh or whatever. God. And, you know, everyone there is just kind of going through it day after day after day after right. day, trying to keep their bodies alive right. and <laughs> their mental health okay. And you are there for five minutes to fill in for someone's vacation. So it's hard to gel with people, make new friends when you're in and out. And then five months later, I went back in for one week in Tampa. Yeah. Had no, you know, had to review on my own in Pearl Studios. Sure. And so that was crazy. That Showing crazy. up and being like, let's uh, see how this goes. Who's my still who's my partner today? Hi. Like that's the Hi, weirdest what's your name? That's the weirdest oh, part about this industry. Totally. One hundred percent. Anytime I'm back in Chicago there is always someone new, which is so fun for me because I love getting to meet all of the new people. Yeah. But I always am like I don't, I don't, I don't want to feel in the way. I don't yeah. want to like, and my God, the backstage of Chicago is so fucking small. At the yeah. So I'm literally like sitting in my little chair against the wall. Like, yeah. Nobody move. Yeah. It was, it was, um, and, and when, and with Wicked, you know, like it's so set in how things go. Right. That if you have a different costume plot and you're not able to get your boots on, it's not always, um, super easy for them to kind of adjust right for for people like, like for I, traffic I had random and... universal vacation swing cl- uh, costumes that were sort of pulled for me so oh, like sure. my boots were a little bit harder to get on than you know whoever normally does the yeah. change or so for like timing and everything yeah I mean I was late to my D-Rolch's entrance like four <laughs> nights in a row and that's and that sucks like you have moments where you're just like oh god Fuck. I'm not doing a good job right. like you know, and and I've always been a, a perfectionist and a people pleaser, and that's the hard thing that I've been trying to get over in these years is being like, you know what? What we're doing is crazy. Yes. And I'm just a human. Just here to do a job. And honey. we're not curing cancer. Right. You know, I, I dated a brain surgeon for a month when I was recovering from my shoulder injury because I couldn't work. So what was I going to do? Date. Period. And, <laughs> and like, you know, I'd be sitting there being like, I'm so sad that I can't sing and dance right now. <laughs> and he'd be like, I have to go perform a brain surgery I tomorrow. have to go and save a life. So Sorry. that would kind of like make me shut up Put real fast. And, and I would just be like, okay. Uh, oh, okay, great. Yeah. So I tried to, you know, any job I go into now, I try to remind myself like I'm not solving cancer right i am you know telling a story and i am entertaining people and all will be okay and i think the biggest thing that i've learned over the years is the mistakes you make are never as big to anyone else as they are to you yeah like i so was that person going up to people i'm so sorry i messed that lift up totally and people would be like whatever oh i didn't even know oh okay you'll get it right tomorrow oh my god the second night i ever the second night i did chicago on broadway eight Fell down the stairs during my song. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Kept singing, darling. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Tripped oh, on a Broadway stage. Right. And everyone, I, I came off stage and I was like mortified. And they were like, oh my God, you you were amazing. You just kept singing like nothing happened. Right. And I was like, well, what the fuck was I supposed to do? Right. Like run off and cry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh my God, man. But of course it was like the biggest fucking deal in my brain. I was like, oh my God, I just tripped down the stairs. It probably probably didn't even register for the audience that yeah. what was happening. But I was like, no. Oh my God. I, I ruined mean, the show. I could write a whole biography about the thing the things that went wrong for me during frozen oh my god which we will talk about because i can't wait to hear about frozen (laughs) but first i i'm so excited to ask you about your solo show that you did yeah 
called Teenage Dream. Yeah. That show, Ben, was, I think, truly the best, like, sort of autobiographical solo show I have ever seen. Stop. It was so, so well done. You had <laughs> dancers. You had beautiful, like, monologues. Obviously, you sing down. But I was like, this is... And it was so quick. It flew from song to scene to song to dance number. It was so brilliant. But what I loved most about it was how vulnerable you got to be in sharing your queerness and your experience growing up this little queer Jewish boy. Thank you. Tell me about creating that show. What what was like sort of the catalyst for doing that? Well, I first just have to say, because it all ties together, A... Jake and I, for the listeners, <laughs> for those at home, Jake and I met. Subway. Jake and I met doing the world premiere of the Flamingo Kid. Oh, we sure did um, at Hartford Stage, which was sort of another musical that was trying to kind of um, create legs and have a life, and mm-hmm. kind of sadly didn't. Um, and Jake was a swing, and I was always in awe of. I was always in awe of you because oh you were so like you were always going over your stuff, and I remember just appreciating your work ethic so much because um, I was going through a weird time in my life where I was, you know, necessarily not doing the most interesting track and I was kind of frustrated with like where I was at in my career, which, sure. um, you know, happens when you're in your early 20s. And so I, uh, you know, I learned a lot about myself from that experience, but I met an incredible woman, Lindsay Crothers. Lindsay. During that experience. Yes. Um, a lot of incredible people during that show. Kathy Voidko is like one of my Everyone. dear friends. I've, I've literally had all of them on all the All those pod. people. <laughs> the best people. <laughs> um, and I met Lindsay. Lindsay and I became friends. And then uh, during the pandemic, I was teaching for her at uh, the little arts school that she had taken over. I was teaching master classes. I sort of helped last minute direct uh, their production of Into the Woods. And I had the best time and I was just like, God, it feels so good to create, you know? And I think that we felt (laughs) robbed of that during the pandemic. And I hate that we even still have to talk about it. It's like, can we just like move on? (laughs) Like, but it's so, it was so formative, I think for all of us in terms of our hustle, in terms of our dedication. I think a lot of people were like, this isn't for me. I'm going to go do something else. And I remember I finished teaching for Lindsay on this high, like I can do anything. And then I suddenly was hitting the pound, hitting the pound. I can't speak English today. <laughs> I leave tomorrow. <laughs> I was hitting the ground running, trying to suddenly go back into rooms after this hiatus. And it was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I would freeze up. I literally had a couple weeks left before I was going to lose my health insurance. And mm-hmm. I really thought one of these jobs was going to work out. It didn't. So I lost my health insurance yep. and theater was coming back and Frozen wasn't reopening. The tour already had a cast. Jersey Boys uh, already had its cast in New World and the tour. I wasn't involved with Wicked yet. I So I didn't have any gig. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, fuck, like, oh my God. I, and it was a really low feeling to know that the industry was coming back and feel no sign of anything right. coming in sight. Mm-hmm. And I remember I called Lindsay because Lindsay had started, uh, she had started life coaching. Yes. And I called her as a friend, but also she was saying, like, I'm doing free consultations with people. And I thought at this point, I was just like, you know what? <laughs> at this point in the competition. Couldn't hurt. I'm going <laughs> to need some coaching. I need, I need something. <laughs> and I called her and I said, these are my fears. I feel like I am scared of putting myself in the spotlight in a way where I'm not being given permission, but just making it happen for myself. Yeah. 
And Green Room had actually emailed me asking me if I would do a solo show before the pandemic, and I chickened out. Mm. At first, I was like, sure. And then I was like, actually, I'm just like too overwhelmed. Uh-huh. I said, no, because I really didn't, I didn't have a story ready. Right. You know? And I didn't want it to be one of those shows that was like, these are my dream roles. Uh-huh. And then this was when I did this show, because those are so masturbatory. Yeah. And like, yeah. no one likes them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew I didn't want to do that. And so I just sort of talked through and brainstormed with her. Well, you know, I kind of have this idea to do a solo show, but I'm not sure. It's kind of dumb. And then she was like, what's your idea? And I said, well, it's my 10-year anniversary of coming out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think I've spent my whole life in this mix of, like, trying to hope for this love story for myself and thinking that, you know, I've only sort of been in one serious relationship, but I was so young and I didn't know how to navigate it or really, (laughs) really love myself in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had a lot of like almosts in my life where, where I thought something was kind of budding and then it was um, kind of cut short or it didn't work out or, you know, bad timing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I I really kind of want to write a story about this, like about how my younger self just loved, you know, fairy tales and and girly pop music videos yes. and uh, just just very flashy feminine things. Mm-hmm. And then society sort of tells you that's wrong. And I even envy people who are just so kind of like just unapologetic unapologetically themselves when they're even like walking down the street because yeah. I still feel like I have to carry this masculine demeanor mm. just to feel respected. Sure. And especially when you hear about all these like crimes happening against oh against yeah. queer people. Horrible. It's it's it makes me revert back to yeah. this like shell of myself that kept me safe in high school and 100%. kept me safe as a teenager. And so I was really kind of coming into this journey of like how can I just truly love myself? And that would probably be stand on a stage and unapologetically be gay. Mm-hmm. And, 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 like, tell this story of how my younger self just wanted to find this, like, fairy tale rom-com yeah. kind of true love. Like, my sister and I, we would watch Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and... Of course! You know, Never Been Kissed of and... Course. Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen <laughs> and just all these, like, camp movies. Yes. And, you know, you watch Where them as a little... boys are so cute. You watch them as a little boy and you and you you can't really clock, like, I want the guy like she does. But yeah. you sort of identify with the girl and you and you want just sort of this main character story for yourself when you're, like, eight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I just, I just thought, um, what if I made a story about this of, like, my current self writing a love letter to my younger self about everything he learned along the way of like every first crush that, you know, didn't end in a kiss or every time I, you know, thought someone finally wanted to be with me and liked me for me. And instead it was just another life lesson or what you learn as a gay boy finally out and in college thinking anyone who's interested wants to be your boyfriend. And really it's just like all these people are finally getting to be free and be sexually active for the first time and and navigating that. (laughs) And, and like what's funny is like, while my show was very campy and silly, there Mm -hmm. also was like a lot of kind of darkness to it too, of just the fact like the amount of nights that I spent like crying over a boy because he didn't like me back or thinking I had to change myself to, to feel like a sexy, confident gay man. Yeah. Um, which is a never ending journey. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, my God. 
And so, uh, it was a lot of exposition, but basically I took that and I worked with my incredible music director, Drew Wutke, and my two incredible backup dancers, Morgan Harrison and Ross Thompson, yes. um, who I fucking just, like, are the most unbelievable people. Incredible. Um, and my guests, I had amazing guests, and uh, I just sort of put this little thing together. And I was really terrified, like, what if this isn't as good as it feels like in my mind. Uh But every week I would have these sessions with Lindsay where I would just read her what I was crafting Mm -hmm. and I would, uh, you know, change, I would make changes. I was probably making changes up until like the day before. Yeah. Um, And it ended up being one of the most liberating experiences of my life because I went, oh my God, I'm not having to walk in the room and be like this like leading man guy or be uh-huh. like what you think they want to see. So that way they'll believe you in the role yep. because with how I look, I've 95% of the time been cast as straight guys yeah. or douchebags or like, <laughs> you know, yeah. pepper in mama Mia the was always just that sexy boy. And at first in college you think like, well, hurrah, I did it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I tricked them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, it's like a pat on the back. Right. But then it started to make me sad uh, in recent years because I went, I'm not actually getting to be authentic Uh in anything I'm doing. Right. And I remember someone once told me that they didn't feel like I was being authentic in my art. And I remember it like really hurt my feelings. Mm. Um, But what was hard was there was validity in that. Yeah. And I think it was because... Do you think you knew? I think deep down I was like, there's a part of them that's right. Yeah. And so writing this show, I went, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to have there be like major choreography and I'm going to like go balls to the wall. I mean, my parents, were in the, my parents were in the audience and were singing an acoustic version of Daddy Issues by Demi Lovato <laughs> about, <laughs> about like getting to New York and wanting Period. an older man. Yes. And my dad still to this day goes, you know, I just love that song, Daddy Issues. <laughs> I don't think he really gets it. Right, I don't think right, he right, really right. understands like, <laughs> Like, but he... He's like, my son loves me. As she, <laughs> I still am just like... I mean, my dad is a special Angel. breed of human. Yes. He's a toxicologist, a little socially awkward. Um, <laughs> but I took him to see Anne Juliet, and during Roar, he was uncontrollably sobbing. Oh. So he has a thing for, like, girly pop yes. <laughs> music videos. I wonder so, where you got it. Yeah, so so it was really magical to feel like I had so much support and um, was able to sell out that first show. Yeah. And then I had a gig in Florida canceled, so I ended up doing the show again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got Orfei as my guest the second yes. time. Which was so wild. Sick name. And bananas, and just, like, my seventh grade self couldn't believe um, and then we did the show a third time because I had four weeks off from Wicked and I thought, why not make myself crazy busy because what else, Classic. what else do Classic I know how to do but keep myself busy? Yeah. Um, and so we did it a third time. And the really interesting thing about the third time was I realized the story didn't feel the same because I had just gone through this monumental healing journey with right. my shoulder that suddenly I was like... <laughs> My love life failures don't feel like that big of a deal uh-huh. now. So the funny part about the the third show, it was just like, I felt less um, invested in like, this story mm-hmm. has to be told correctly. It was more like, wow, I almost feel like I am out of that loop. Whereas when I was writing it, I was really sad about a, like a guy that I had had this amazing couple weekends with who didn't text me back and... I was distraught and I was just like, damn, I need to write about this. Um, And, and it was really interesting because I remember I did it and then like a manager reached out to me and I was like, yeah, like I am now 
it and I should be playing leads because now I can take up space and do a solo show and star in it. Why would I ever want to go back to swinging or like whatever? Right. But then at the end of the day, I was like, I really, at this point in my life, I'm turning 30 in a couple months and I really just want to have my finances in order and I just want to work. And I see some of my friends who hold out for years before the right role comes along that they're allowed to take or, you know, whatever. And that's great. That's great for them. And I just realized that I would rather do a lot of shows and be consistently working and buy a house one day than saying no to so many things. And that was a hard pill to swallow that I think me at 25 and 26 didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I remember when we were doing the show together, I, I, I was like... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be just like a chorus boy anymore. I I want to be. I want to be doing more. Um, I want to be doing bigger roles. I want to be. I want to be doing more. Um, profound work. Right, right, right. <laughs> and like, you know, there's an element of like delusion to that because I think when you're in your early twenties and you're working nonstop, you think like, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. I'm gonna work forever. And then your ego starts to get out of control. And I had like a huge humble pie check where um, I had a job not go my way uh, because someone said that they like didn't like working with me. Mm -hmm. And it was really eye opening because even though like I had, you know, various shows that said he's great, you you know, all it takes is that one person who just catches you on a bad day. Yep. Who then can, you know, be the person who who ultimately controls whether you get get the gig based off a reference check. Mm -hmm. And, um... It was, this was back in like 2019 that this happened. And I I remember being so um, humiliated when that happened. Because I I knew I was going through a bit of a weird chapter where I was questioning what it was that I should be doing. And I was lonely and I was, you know, thinking that my accomplishments equaled Uh self-worth. Which I think we all in this generation, which is so based off of like... Achievement, achievement, achievement. Yeah. Um, clickbait. Look, look what I'm up to. People only care about me when I'm booking or when I'm like a of part course. of something. Or you meet people in industry events and they go, well, "What show are you in? What are you and doing?" Then, next? And if you're not a part of something that is worth their time, they're like, "Oh, cool, nice to meet you." Anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to navigate. Is feeling like you 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 don't want to gloat too much about what you're doing, but you also are allowed to be proud of the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then you also feel like certain people in this industry don't actually. Um, pay you the time of day unless you know you're worth Absolutely. you know unless you're a part of whatever what Broadway that credit do you have exactly mm-hmm. exactly now there has been a part of me that has been able to like deconstruct all that and be like that's all bullshit, bullshit. but at the same time um, it's so real there are other people in you meet in the industry where, where you do feel like you have to like kind of lead with your resume in order to feel worth their time yeah especially when you're meeting producers or you're meeting investors or directors or whatever and you know like they look at your they look at your credits or they what have they done who do you know Mm -hmm. um and so that's always been that's always been challenging for me is 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 knowing that i am worth so much more than just like the shows i've done and my solo show just to circle back was like the first time i really understood like oh i am capable of creating my own motherfucking art Mm -hmm. And I know how to make things happen for myself and celebrate myself in a way that the industry never has. I haven't ever gotten to really play like a a gay guy in a long running show. I did an indie film that has yet to come out <laughs> where I got to finally be a gay person. And, you know, so I'm like, will that ever come out? I don't yeah, know, you yeah. know. Um, but 
the solo show really, really taught me like my own strength and my own, like, uh, my own affirmation that if you listen to your gut, you can make something that is, uh, meaningful and beautiful and will hopefully touch someone. Totally. And I just hoped that when I did the show that if I could, you know, um, have an impact on one queer person out there somewhere, um, or brought joy to someone, then I did something that mattered. Well, you certainly did because I was <laughs> laughing. I was crying. It was so, so beautifully done. I just remember it finishing and I was just so proud of you because I obviously had worked with you in Hartford, but you know, to get to see, and I had, I had come and seen you in Frozen on Broadway. And so like, that was wonderful. And I was always like, oh my and God, I'm aggravated bad. that I, that I never got the chance to see you as Mary Sunshine because oh, I was always like, I was always someday. out of town <laughs> when you were doing it. Sure. But I loved all of your Instagram stories oh, where I would just you. see, I, I just was like, oh my God, I bet, I bet Jake's the most <laughs> incredible Mary Sunshine to ever walk the planet. Thank you. Um, but I just, I truly was so, so proud of you. And to, to, you know, look around at the audience of just incredible people that you were able to bring together to see your show was so, so lovely. So thank you. Proud Thanks of you. Of course. Well, Ben, the time has come for me to ask you my series of musical theater rapid fire questions that I answer, that I answer that I ask every guest, are you ready? It's not trivia, it is personal questions. Sure. Here we go. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Sondheim. Sweatpants or jeans? I like jeans, I like how snug they feel. Mm. You know? You got those thick thighs, baby boo. Exactly, we gotta, gotta own it. Show off the ass. Um, do you have a favorite musical? I will always be a next to normal stan. Oh, I wish oh my I God. could fly starring to, Casey Levy in London. I wish I could fly out to go see her oh. right now. She is a gem of a human. Um, she was always so kind to me when I uh, was a medical leave replacement in that show. In Frozen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. I didn't say what show. <laughs> next to normal. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It, she was so kind to me uh, in Frozen. Uh, and the funnest track that I had was when I was a guard that had to put her in shackles. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she just is everything. That show taught me a lot about stamina. It taught me a oh, lot yeah. about like what it means to kind of show up, do your job in New York. Mm -hmm. Like that was the first time I was commuting and doing eight shows a week in um, the city. Um, and I was kind of one of the younger cast members. So it was it was a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. But I I came out of that experience so much stronger. And Queen Casey was kind the whole time. Oh my God. And she sounded like that every... God, she sounded so ridiculous. good every I would, day. What I would give to see next to normal. Ugh! I know. God, I miss the I mountains. Wish. Jesus. Okay. Do you have a least favorite musical? Um, Spill the tea. Spill, spill the tea. I I don't know. <laughs> I, I really, really try to be someone who never talks poorly about other shows especially That's during that said. especially during that whole debacle where people were just like coming for <laughs> hello that whole debacle <laughs> where people were coming for certain shows on twitter just like especially hard i just was like oh yeah i just was like i hope you f i hope you feel good about yourself doing happy. that you know what i mean so i you know because i sort of think like <laughs> the one time i would say i don't like x y and z show some person <laughs> affiliated with it somehow would be listening to the podcast heartbroken so it's not that i don't like any show but what i will say was that I, I didn't love doing, um, I, 
I mean, I love Gypsy as a show, but I didn't love being in it when uh-huh. I did it at Pittsburgh CLO because yeah. it was so boring for well, the guys. Yeah, are you kidding So me? I remember being like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this show sucks. <laughs> but and it's also kind of a weird show. Uh, yeah. So I just remember thinking, like, I have no desire to see this again. <laughs> I feel like some gay is going to kill me. Yeah. I'm just going to that somewhere. <laughs> Flagged. Okay, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Of course. I love, you know, I, when I saw Boys in the Band, I was mm. so, like, blown away by that significant other, um, oh, the inheritance. Love. Like, I think that if I were to do a straight play, I would just, I would love the opportunity to do, play. like, a gay play. <laughs> a straight gay play. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. That was so fast. Oh my god. Um, could you think of the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? <laughs> Either yeah. in a show or, yeah. or in a room. Do we get specific or do we protect ourselves and get generic? <laughs> you can be as generic as you want. Um, you so I was doing a production of Rent. And let me preface this by saying the show ended up being great. It ended up being a great experience. Who were you playing? I was playing Mark. It was my first production post-injury. So I was um, still doing PT in the mornings, gotcha. relearning how to use my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was wild. I had such an appreciation for simply being on stage again. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to play Mark. So that was like a very cool full totally. circle. Uh, our director was fired three days before tech. Okay. And before she was fired... <laughs> She wanted to do Rent where it was set in modern day and Mark was looking back writing a sort of memoir film of his life. So this was like sort of a, a current pandemic Mark looking back on like a, oh. like a, um, on a previous epidemic. Sure. And, you know, in the world, maybe there's a way in which case that works where mm-hmm. like every time Mark does a narration, it's him like talking Remember. about it in the past. Right. If you really do your pre-pro and you really, like, think about it, that could work. The problem was, was that we got there and none of that was fleshed out. Ah. So, pretty much, it started out with me at a laptop Mm. and an iPhone, like, you know, thinking Mm. about my past. And then nothing else made sense in the rest of the show. Oh, dear, dear, dear. So, I was very confused and frustrated um, during that whole process, but then um, she was fired and then the artistic the artistic director stepped in and it was amazing. Oh, and then fabulous. the show and then we got to do the rent that everyone knows and loves. <laughs> and so like oh my God. that was a lesson in like patience. Yeah. Um Good Lord. Yeah, I hope that's okay that I revealed all that. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> yeah. show ended up being great and I had the best time doing it. Um sometimes Silly. sometimes new takes on shows work and sometimes <laughs> they don't. Period. Um Golden Age or Contemporary? Contemporary. What is your favorite role you've ever played? Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley. Done and done. Um, she does it all. Coffee or tea? <laughs> coffee. What is the hardest show you've ever done? Frozen. Work. It. W- uh, I had never done partnering like that in my life. And yeah. the girls were in... The girls were in. I mean, I don't know how ball heavy. Gowns. I don't know how heavy the ball gowns were, but they felt like they were fifty pound yeah. ball gowns. Yeah, they probably were like ten pound. <laughs> but, but I was working with a trainer during the morning because I was literally so uh, 
tired from from all Lifting. of the lifts. Yeah. Um, and it was a dream to be doing a Rob Ashford show. Yeah. And I felt so grateful to be there. But uh, there were days where I would get to the theater and I would just be holding back tears because it felt like my muscles were in pain. They're going to give out. Um, and 20 minutes a week of PT is just not enough. Right. Um, so I also learned what onstage anxiety is um, or fu high functioning anxiety is sure. from that show. I would get to the theater and I would hear my heartbeat like thumping in my ears and uh, I just thought like, oh, well, it's just nerves. Okay. Just nervous. But it was like so much so that it, it was really scary. Like oh, there were times God. where I would be on stage and I would be just terrified. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, how do you make your Broadway debut and, and, and tell that to people around you being like, right. I'm terrified. Right. <laughs> right. You're like, um, everything is great. So, so that was, <laughs> that was really tough. Yeah. Um, to feel like I was failing mm -hmm. sometimes. And like, you know, I would be sweaty and my partner's hand would slip off me. And yeah. The, you know, the night of the Lincoln Center archive filming. Fuck. And I'd be like, oh, well, I ruined the archive. I ruined like, the show. <laughs> like, and, but at that point, you just, you just are, you just want to be, you just want to be good and you want to nail it every day and you want to prove that you deserve to be there and you want everyone to, to, um, you know, be, uh, of a fan of your work and you know right so over the years i've just been learning how to like let go of that and totally. be like you know we all have it we all get we all have anxiety on stage i was i was listening to oh, yeah. some podcasts where marla mandel was saying that she ah, gets on stage queen. anxiety for like the first number of mm -hmm. titanic mm -hmm. and then is fine for the rest yep. of the show so it's like i think knowing mm -hmm. that it's like this collective community of like we all we're we all fucking all nervous still are like yeah. um this is still really <laughs> scary is sometimes like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite costume you've ever worn? Dare I say it is a emerald green costume? Yeah, I would say I would say uh the um, I my my costumes in Wicked were pretty epic. It was it was pretty it's so uh, it was cool. really really cool to finally get to wear those <sighs> clothes. Um but I remember uh it was cool because in Frozen I had like custom made boots. Yeah. So I remember that was really cool to have boots that were made like for my for you. feet because it really makes such a difference. Yeah. When you're doing a show, you, you, you're not like constantly worried whether, you know, you're going to get plantar fasciitis or, or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, or like roll your ankle. Like you really feel like on your toe and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a lovely feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, have you ever missed an entrance? I don't. Apart from when you ripped your arm out and couldn't go yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe that was my streak. I was like, God damn it, I'm finally going to miss an entrance. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Um, I almost did because I almost shit myself during Frozen. Uh. Um, and you are... <laughs> um, you, <laughs> you have a wig on and your, your wire is connected. The microphone! Your wire is connected to your dance belt. It's so annoying. Oh so my god. So I... And I I like, I, <laughs> this is so like gross. No, I'm like, I feel it. like I'm holding my dance belt to the side, yanking my head back. Cause I was trying to not unclip my wire from my wig cap, right, but, right. It, but I like it really snug. I hate all the extra wires. Yes. So I, I was literally, I had to almost get like completely buck naked to like, <laughs> to like take a dump one time. And I almost couldn't get all my stuff back on in yep. time for, you know, the little crowd scene where we're like. Where we're like asking Prince Hans, like, what do we do? What, what, what do we do? Um, so I was maybe about like two seconds away from oh my missing God. that Been entrance. There, truly. Um, but I don't think I've ever really, really uh, missed anything. I'm, I, I'm, I think Love. I'm too, I'm too anxious. Me too. 
Um, uh, do you have any pre-show rituals? Uh, with Jersey Boys, I did. With Jersey Boys, I really, I had to exercise before the show. Mm. Before Frankie. I, yeah. I was like, I can't sing unless I... Your body is Unless ready. I sweat. Totally. Um, and I had, uh, we had this whole series of like hip flexor exercises we had to do with the jazz splits that we do in Bagan. Oh yeah. Um, so I was, you were, you were required to do those exercises because nice. there was one time at White Plains where I didn't do those exercises and I strained my hamstring. <laughs> Boy. Um, and that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was like lesson learned. Also, yeah. oh, you're not 22 anymore. Exercise you can't just like bitch. whack down to the ground. Right. Um, so crazy. Yeah. Uh, do you have a dream role? You know, it's so crazy because I feel like Frankie Valley was the, was the dream role of all dream roles. Mm. That was such a like thing that I, I never in a million years thought I would get to do that by, by 24. Right. And play near my hometown. Uh huh. Like, so in, to me, I went, if this is all I ever achieve, then I've done something with mm-hmm. my life. Um, I love that. I've always loved I've always loved the doctor in Waitress. I was really close oh, to yeah. I was really close to covering it in the first national. Mm. So um, I mean that was like one of the coolest days of my life. Just getting to do the material for Sarah Bareilles Sarah. herself. You're just like I'm <sighs> terrified, but also like want to do well for you because yeah. you're Sarah freaking Bareilles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to play the doctor uh, in in Waitress. Uh, I you know during the pandemic when there was nothing like uh, in fall 2020, and I was actually dropped by my reps. I got together with my friends and sang songs with a keyboard and a ratchet karaoke mic outside (laughs) on the street. (laughs) And we did like a sort of mini um, condensed, I call it the last five years junior. (laughs) The last three years. (laughs) Where we just like cut snippets that we didn't like and then we basically just (laughs) like sang the songs on the street and I and I got to sing all of the Jamie songs. And so I've always, Uh, you know, especially as a Jewish guy and everything like that, like I... uh, I've always wanted to play that role. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jamie, Jamie in the last you five heard years. You here first. Yeah. I, I did a reading with Adam Cantor and I remember like I was <sighs> internally Dreams. geeking out the whole time because I saw him and Betsy Wolf in the last five years revival in college yeah. and it like truly changed my life. And so just <sighs> to even do a reading and sit next to him was like, I mean, I never, I didn't want to say this because they always tell you like, don't tell your heroes that right, they're your hero because right. you're like on the same playing field and you're working together and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, there were so many times where I just wanted to be like, if you knew how many times I just tried to sound like you when of I was course. like a freshman in my kidding? college dorm. God, he's so fucking hot too. He's I was obsessed. Extremely talented. Yes. Um, and my last question for you is, what is one thing that you would tell younger Ben? <laughs> well, that's all what Teenage Dream was about. <laughs> um, I think... You know, it's funny because I would tell younger Ben this, but I'm also telling myself this right now. Mm-hmm. I think that the universe has your back. Mm. It really does. Even <laughs> even the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. Um, yes. Truly, I am I am living proof that the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. Because there were so many days where I, in my injury and like everything uh, getting dropped... Yeah. Uh, my reps, all this stuff, like, yeah. where I thought, how do I possibly keep going? Mm-hmm. And somehow I've always found the will to do so. Yeah. And I think that I swore to myself last year, like, you know what? No more doing survival jobs that 
I hate and that right. don't use my skill set and my creativity, mm-hmm. which is why I've been doing so much teaching. And I, I spent half the I spent half the pandemic teaching master classes all over the country with um, Broadway's Gerald Caesar and Broadway's JJ Neiman. JJ, um, and we all were just like, we're good at what we do. Like, why are we? Why are we doing a survival job we hate when we should just be reaching out to these theater programs and coming and teaching master classes? And sure. For me, it's been directing and choreographing kids' shows, teens' shows, adult even now. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm achieving new dreams now, hitting my, I'm about to hit my 30s. Yeah. Um, and I feel so much more aligned with like who I am as I enter this than I ever was when I was sort of like, I guess checking all the boxes that I thought I was supposed to check mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s and still feeling like I wasn't doing enough right. or that I wasn't popular enough or that I wasn't, you know, like whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so I think that like what I would tell my younger self and what I'm telling myself now is that like just quiet all the noise and all the negative voices in your head that are telling you that like you're a fraud and that everyone thinks you're a fraud mm-hmm. and that like, you know, all that, all that stuff. And just tell yourself, like, I am exactly... The universe, the universe has, has my back. back. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be, baby. Period. And that's on period. Yes! Well, Ben, thank you so, so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for Would having you, me. This was the best. Of course! Will you tell the listeners where they can find you on socials? And sure. they can find you on the road. On the road! On the road again. <laughs> um, my Instagram is at Ben M. Bogan. And uh, I don't really use TikTok anymore, so I feel like I won't promote that. I I was really into it for a bit. (laughs) I like kept me sane, you know. And Mm -hmm. I and I gained a community um, of other Mm -hmm. people out there who liked my dumbass content. Um, So (laughs) that's that's my Instagram. That's 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 it. Um, But. If you are listening elsewhere in the country, I will be traveling all over, so follow along with the Tina Turner musical, um, because I love teaching masterclasses all over the country. Yes. So, you know, if you know a school studio <laughs> program, whatever, that wants one. Period. I will be there. Good. Oh, ben, you are <laughs> such a treat. I just love you. I love Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram for all of your guest updates at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Oh my pod, oh my pod, you guys. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.